morning. Great to see you today. And welcome to Fairdale Christian Church. Those of you that are online, as well as those of you that are here, man, we're just so excited that you could be joining us. And if you're new or you've just been around for a few weeks, maybe we just haven't had an opportunity to meet yet. We'd really like that opportunity. In the back of the chairs is a special card that says belong on it. And uh, if you just haven't had the opportunity to connect yet, we would love you to fill that card out and bring it to the next steps area that's right in the lobby. And those of you online, if you're new with us, just put in the chat, I'm new, and one of the hosts will reach out to you. But uh, we, we just would love the opportunity to, to meet you, and, and we also want to let you know about a couple of things that we're really looking forward to in the next few weeks. In just a couple of weeks, and just for your calendar, we mentioned this last Sunday, we've got a, uh, a kid venture plan for October the 17th, which is a great family event, those of you with elementary school kids or grandkids, we would love for you to sign up and be a part of that. It's going to be a really exciting day. You think about like VBS, right? We normally stretched out over a week and lots of stuff. This is kind of like VBS, but it's packed into one night, so it's high energy and it's for the whole family. We want to engage not just the kids, but the parents and grandparents as well. So hope that you'll be part of that. Also, I want to let you know about our fall family fun day. You may or may not know this, but Halloween this year falls on a Sunday. It's actually going to be a fifth Sunday. And we were talking about that as a staff. We know, you know, that could be a, a day that would be really fun. Every so often around here, we like, to, we like to do something fun. If you've ever been here for Super Bowl, you know kind of what that's like. Or just taking a, you know, using an excuse to just do something a little big, a little fun. And so we're going to do that at the end of October. We're going to, we're planning just all kinds of cool stuff. You'll, you'll hear a little bit more about that as it gets closer. But mark that on your calendar. And if there's someone that you can think of, maybe family or friends that you say, you know, I've been wanting to invite them to come to church with me someday. This would be a great opportunity to do just that. And I've been so encouraged. I just wanted to kind of tell you guys a couple of little quick stories before I dive into to where we're going today. Uh, last Sunday, there was a couple here uh, that some of you may know, Tom and Karen Riley. Tom and Karen were members here for a few years and uh, had a job change. They moved to Cincinnati and just hated to see them go. Just wonderful people. They were here last Sunday in town visiting and joined us for church. It was like, man, it's so cool to see them. And, and one of the things they mentioned to me is, hey, we, you know, we watch you guys every week online. And uh, they have a church there in Cincinnati as well, but say, oh, we just still feel connected. And I know John Glowacki, our worship pastor, a lot of you guys know John, his family, they all live up in Michigan. They watch every single week. We consider them to be, you know, part of our church, you know, and, and just excited for, to have them join. I know I've got some family that watch that don't live in the area as well. And it's just, it's kind of one of those cool things, like I, I'm excited about who we're reaching. But uh, for those of us that still live here in this community... You know, we're, we're excited that you're here, and those of you online, we, we really want to invite you back because there's nothing like getting together together. What you experience online is not what you experience in the room, right? Amen? And, and, and this, is what I, this is why I want to say this. It's not to, not to put any, any guilt on anybody, okay? I don't, don't want you to pick that up at all. But as I've, as I've uh, just been so excited to see some people kind of filtering back in and kind of feeling things out. And like, is it safe? And what about this? And what about kids? And all those things. It's like, yeah, it is. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is people have been kind of like they've got a speech. Like, hey, I know we haven't been here in a while, but... Oh, you know, it's just been so crazy, and, and it sort of takes this pattern, like they just, start, they just start with this speech trying to explain why they haven't been around. And I was thinking this past week about that, 
with, if you remember the story of the prodigal son, and he wandered away, he's gone for a while, and then when he realizes, like, it's time for me to come home, it's time for me to be back, he had a speech, and he was rehearsing his feet, his, his speech. And when, as soon as he got home, when his dad saw him, he interrupted the speech. It's like, I don't need the speech, I'm just glad you're home. For those that, if, if you're still kind of like, ah, you know, if that's what's keeping you away, because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say, don't worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to say anything. You just come on home. You just come on home. And, and as us, as brothers and sisters, as we see people come home, let's embrace them that way. Say, you don't have to offer any explanations. We're just glad you're here. And I just want to challenge you guys as you think about the people in your life that have wandered away and maybe they've drifted. And I know this has been a long, hard couple of, you know, however long. And, and just like what we've been singing about the goodness of God this morning, I hope that just kind of rests on your soul a little bit because he has certainly been good to us and continues to be good to us. Let's embrace those around us. Let's welcome them back in. Let's reach out and be the hands and feet of Christ so that people won't ever forget the goodness of our God. Well, we've been, we're finishing up this series today that, that I, I've really been enjoying. And it's talking about accidental Pharisees. It's based around the book by a guy named Larry Osborne, the same title, Accidental Pharisees. And we've looked at a lot of different topics. And, and really the whole premise of this series has been as we are following God and as we are growing in our own personal faith, if we're not careful, our spiritual enemy, the devil, he, he would love to, to just knock us off course. And whatever seems ever so slight can take this really nasty turn. And when you see people that have become overzealous, and they've got this unaligned passion, it just takes these, or, and it leads to being judgmental, or it can lead to, to being, becoming prideful, or maybe it leads us to becoming legalistic, where we're adding rules onto what God has already said. Now, all these little, little subtle things that begin to creep in and can really knock us off course, and, and we move from becoming a committed follower of Jesus to just being committed to following rules. And then we look down our noses at other people who aren't following the rules the way that we are. And that's what Pharisees were. And that's what they did is they, were, they, they knew the law of God and they were so committed to the law of God. But how could they get so far off track that they missed the Son of God? But they did. And it can easily happen to us if we aren't careful. And it's an accidental thing. It's, what I hope that you understand is that I'm not trying to beat us over the head or say, you're, you're bad, you know, knock this off. This can become such a, a subtle, accidental thing if we, don't, if we aren't careful. But I also want to make sure I move the needle correctly. I hope that you haven't taken the last six weeks to mean or to, to think that anything goes. You know, we don't want to be Pharisees, so therefore we don't have to be committed to anything. We can just do whatever we want because good, God is good, right? That's not what I'm saying either. Like, there, there is a balance there. We've got to follow God's commands, but we don't let it become all about the commands. It's about our commitment and our devotion to the Lord. And, and today we're going to close things out talking about the temptation of projecting onto others what we think they ought to be doing. And it's hard not to do that. Because we all see life and we interpret our lives through the lens of our experience. And that's the only lens that we have. You, you can't see things from another, people's, another person's lens because you don't have their lens. We've only got yours. So it's, it's natural that we expect that other people are going to see things and feel things 
exactly the way that we do. Do you ever look at somebody and think to yourself, why aren't you as passionate about this thing as I am? Why don't you get all worked up? Why aren't you feeling what I'm feeling? Why aren't you, why can't you see this? Why can't you see how important this is? Because to me, it's as obvious as the nose on my face. You know, I see it. How, how, how come nobody else seems to see this? Heard a story about a, uh, I've been excited to tell this joke all week long, okay? I'm, but I heard this story about a new business owner. He just opened up this business for the first time, and I, I had a friend that was just wanting to congratulate them on, this is a big deal, you know? So he said, I'm going to send some flowers over on their grand opening. They're doing ribbon cutting all that, and I'm going to send flowers. So he called the florist, said, you know, send some flowers, and, and uh, that's, that's what I want. And, and when the flowers arrived, it's opening day, and this bouquet of flowers shows up at, with a card attached that says, rest in peace. And the business owner's like, this is so weird, you know. So he calls his friend, like, why would you send me this? And the friend is like, I didn't send that. That's crazy. What's wrong with these people? Why can't they see how wrong that was? That's stupid. So he's, he's so worked up, he decides to call the florist and said, are you guys a bunch of knuckleheads or what? Why would you do this? You know, how could you make such a huge mistake? This is so embarrassing. And the florist said, I'm so sorry, sir. You know, it's just an oversight. It shouldn't have happened. But, sir, if you just just take into consideration that somewhere there is a funeral going on right now with flowers that say congratulations on your new location. <laughs> I love that joke. I thought it was good. But sometimes we wonder why people don't see what we see. How could you, how could you not see that? One of the most fascinating parts of, of parenthood to me is how you can have these different children that are raised in the same environment and be very different. And Megan and I have three kids, and we've raised them, you know, together and in the same house and under the same conditions, I mean, eating the same kinds of food. I mean, they've even got similar genetics, you know, they're siblings. I mean, all these things that they've got in common is so similar, and yet they are very different people. All three of them are very different. And you, 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 when you look at yourself, you compare yourself to your siblings, you probably say, I know, I would say, man, I am very different from my brothers. And you would probably say the same thing. You're different in a lot of ways. And it's interesting. And, and I think the reason that we're surprised is because we assume that when people are born, they're blank slates. And that everything about us is imprinted onto us by our experiences. So we just assume, well, if you get, you know, these little babies that are all, all you know, they're just, they're just waiting to be molded. But it's not true. Because the truth is, each one of us has been uniquely designed and wired by God in a certain way so that no two people are exactly the same. We're all different. We've got the fingerprints of God all over us. And we, we no two people are the same. We won't respond to things in the same way. If you lived exactly the way that I have lived. If you lived the life that I've lived and you had the same experiences as I've had and you know everything that I know, you still wouldn't be me because we're different and we're wired differently. The interesting thing about gift projection, right? When I say that I've got a calling on my life, God has given me certain gifts, he's given me certain passions, there's things that, that are just really weigh heavily on me 
And so I think that everybody should be just like I am. When, when I do that, that is a sin of the spiritually passionate. You will not find that among the lukewarm. You won't find that among people that are just sort of on the outskirts or on the fringe of following Jesus. They're not going to do that. This is only among the highly committed, which is why it's an accidental Pharisee thing. Nobody does this on purpose. But Pharisees think that everybody should be cookie cutter. You should be doing exactly what I'm doing. This is something that people who really love the Lord and want to honor Him, we slip into it without even realizing that we're doing it. It's a spiritual blind spot. Every one of us have gifts and a calling from God, but they are not the same. They are not the same. And often what can happen, one person will become very passionate about a particular calling and they will criticize those who are different within their own calling. And when we do that, we, we project it onto other people. It creates a lot of needless guilt. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service. But we all serve the same Lord. God works in different ways. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, I just want you to do something real quick for me, okay? Uh, this may feel a little goofy, but I just want you to do it. I want you to just take a quick second. And look across the room if you can. Try to find somebody that you're like, who is that person? I don't know. Just look around the room real quick and see the different people. People that don't look like you. People that don't think like you. Maybe there's a lot of different people here. and People that don't talk the way you do. But, and, and they're doing different things than what you're doing. We've got different careers. We've got different you know, family dynamics. Just look at each other for a second. Keep looking. Don't look at me. Look at each other. There's nothing up here. Just look out there. Wave to somebody. Say, hi, I see you. Yeah. Look at these weird people. <laughs> Keep looking. Just look. Look around. I want us to feel, I want us to look till we feel awkward. <laughs> or let's get past the awkwardness. Like, okay, yeah, I see, I see you out there. Different people. All different. Now, I want you to look at this verse again. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. We're all different. Every person in here, we've, we've got a different... I, I love to people watch. You ever go to the mall and just... I could sit there, Megan will be in some store, and I'll sit on the, the dude bench, you know, and I just watch people, and I just love to think, like, what has happened in your life that's led you to this point today? We're here, we're here at the mall together. Like, what is your story? You know, what is your background? And we're all different. We've all got a different lens. And God is doing a different work within each one of us. But it's the same God. He's doing a different work. He's working in different ways. But it's the same God who does that work in all of us. Just last week at our church, I was just thinking that over the last week or so, right here, just in our, little, in our little body of believers, our little family. We had uh, Sunday morning classes. You've got people in, in Sunday morning groups, you know, we call it, you know, you used to call it Sunday school or whatever you call it, 
Sunday morning groups, people that are, you know, some that are teaching, some that are listening, all, all who are growing. We've had Wednesday evening table groups for people who are hungry to just go deeper. They're showing up. We're, you know, we're just diving into the Word together. We've had youth group for our middle school and high school students. You've got a whole mess of young people that are coming in, and they're hanging out and playing games. You've got volunteers that are just crazy about these teenagers that are coming and, and helping them grow and develop and mature in their faith and, and, and finding and following Jesus. And we've got children's ministry. You've got all this big crop of kids that are just, they're just excited to be here and, like, climb on a rock wall that we've got in the room. You know, what? they're just, they're, and, and we've got all these volunteers, dozens of volunteers that love children they're like, how can, we, how can we serve? How can we help these little kids you know, feel safe and know that somebody cares about them? And then we've had uh, Celebrate Recovery, and we had a concert a couple of weeks ago with people. This room was full of people who just love to worship, and they're passionate about recovery and, and people finding hope again. And then we had, a, we had a car show a couple of weeks ago. If you were here for that, this, it was cool. There's hundreds and hundreds of people around that just love anything with an engine in it, and they like being around other people. And then we've, had, we've got a prayer ministry that gets together every week and full of people who just love to pray and the request if you use the card in the back of the seat and you write prayer requests on it every week they're praying for those those requests that you have and they're meeting together and they're and they're doing that we've got volunteers who make coffee and those who serve communion and those who visit the sick in the hospital and every one of us are doing our own individual jobs We've got things that we do in life and passions and hobbies and we're providing for our families and we're just, hopefully, all of us are being an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus every day in our normal life. Just in our getting up and our going and everything that we do with our family, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our coworkers, with everyone that's around us and our circles of influence, hopefully we're being an example of what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus. Are any of those things more valuable than the other? Our gifts and our callings may not match. But the beauty of the body of Christ is that it is, it is diverse. But when it works together, it's powerful. In 1 Corinthians 12, going back to that scripture, Paul says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us. So that we can help each other. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. Would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and I just love this next line. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I want you to just think about that for you and your context for a minute. What do you love? Where is your circle of influence in, in, in your everyday life? And those that you interact with, those that you love, those that love you, in, in every one of us where, where God has placed you right now, where has he placed you for such a time as this? Where has he put you? Because my Bible says that he put you there on purpose. 
It says that God has put each part just where he wants it. We're a diverse group of people. We have different careers and different interests and different stages of life. And in every one of us, God is working something out. He has a purpose for each man, woman, and child. He's doing something in you and through you that is special and unique and powerful. God has placed you on the earth for a special purpose. Don't underestimate your gifts. Don't underestimate your calling. You say, well, I'm not in ministry, so therefore I must not be being used by God. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Just exactly where you are. A couple of months ago, I noticed we've got hardwood floors in the main part of our house. And a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that in front of the dishwasher, the floors were getting warped. And I was like, what's going on here? And I, I pulled the dishwasher out and realized it had been... A, a slow leak under there, but it was, wasn't bad enough to where it was running out, but it was bad enough that it was soaking in the wood and causing the wood to expand and warp. So I thought, oh, no. And after a lot of research, I, my first thought was, well, I'm going to have to replace the dishwasher because it must be shot. And after a bunch of research, I'm looking into what that's going to cost and think, man, I just, can we just, hey, kids, you want to wash dishes by hand? <laughs> I thought, I don't know what to do about this. And I f- happened to find some little article that said, well, sometimes there's a little bitty rubber gasket in there. It costs about 25 cents. And if you'll change that out, it ought to fix your problem. I thought, it can't be that simple. It can't be. But I thought, for 25 cents, I'll take a shot. So I ordered the little part. I mean, literally, it's like 33 cents with tax, whatever it was. It comes to my house. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be this easy Pop the sucker off, put the new one on, stop the leak. Absolutely stop the leak, fixed it. I'm like, this is awesome. Life never goes this way for me. But it, I get one, you know, he threw me a bone once. And, 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 and I tell you that because we, for, for a, it's easy for us to think that, well, I, I may be small. I may be insignificant. I may, I'm not, maybe I'm not that important within the kingdom of God. For me, for a very long time, I felt guilty for not being very good at evangelism. And some of you may, that may be a surprise for you because you think, well, you're a preacher. Aren't you, aren't you good at evangelism? And it, it is a big part of what I do, and I have helped people come to Christ. But I, I can remember years ago, I was serving at this church, and we did this study together. There's a group of us that went through this study, and the whole point of it was we need to be very strong at evangelism, all of us. And, and it even went further than that. It was like, hey, if you're not doing this, if you're not really, really, really good at this, then you're not, a, you're not really following Jesus. And, and you're not doing what he wants you to do. And so I felt really bad. And there are some people that thought, well, we need to start going door to door because we're getting all excited about this now. So what are we going to do? We need to start knocking on people's doors and introducing ourselves to strangers and just telling them about Jesus. And I have just never, I've just never been very good at that. Uh, it's just not, if somebody asks me a question, I'll do my best to answer, but I'm kind of a slow processor. Don't be surprised if you ask me some question, if I say to you, hey, you're going to have to give me a a day or two to think about that. Let me get back to you. Uh, But I've definitely never been very good at prodding and trying to initiate a conversation about Jesus with a total stranger. It It just feels difficult. And I've got some friends who are so good at that. 
I won't name any names, but there's several in this church that you guys are so stinking good at that, and you can meet somebody for the very first time and steer the conversation towards spiritual things immediately. And, and some of these people, you, friends of mine, they'll tell stories about how they went to the restaurant after church, and we had this waiter, this waitress, and we just met her for the first time, and by the time we'd ordered dessert... We had introduced her to Jesus, and we're praying together, and she's crying, and then, oh, man, we're just, and now we brought her to church the next week, and I, and I always feel really bad, I'm like, man, I, I, I just, I just don't have a story like that, you know, it's just, I, I just, I can stand up here and preach for 30 minutes, but put me in a situation with a stranger, and tell me to go from zero to, I've just led them to Christ, it's just going, I'll get tongue-tied, I'd be a mess. Now, I do share my faith. And I do really care about the lost, and I, I probably am a little bit jealous and envious of those of you that can do that really well. You've got that gift, and you're able to think on your feet so well and so effortlessly. But if you're anything like me, and you have felt that, maybe you felt that way, you think, I don't know if I, maybe I'm not that important in the kingdom of God because I don't feel like I would be very good at that either. Let me encourage you a little bit. 1 Peter 2, verse 2, tells, tells us to live such good lives among unbelievers that they'll get a glimpse of God through us. I really like how the message translates it. It says, live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. See, this is the thing, and again, I don't want you to take this series to think that, oh, it means that anything goes, that I can, I can slide a little bit, and I, get, I, get, I got more room to just be, you know, be whatever I want to be. That's not what we're saying. We're talking about being faithful and obedient to Christ and passionate about what his calling is on our life, and that's why I love this particular scripture. It says that if we just live for Jesus in that, in that life, just in that normal, every day, I get up, I go to work, I love my family, I'm obedient to Christ. Every day it says, just in that, there will be people that will see you doing that, and they'll be won over to Christ. Just because they've seen you be obedient to Christ. It doesn't say that we should, uh, you know, have a perfect airtight argument. Or you need to be so good at apologetics that you can sit and, and debate and, and win debates about the existence of God. No, the Bible says just live such good lives that people will see that. And when they see that, they'll be won over. So if you think I'm not very good at introducing strangers to Jesus, remember that your greatest witness is your life. I just cannot overemphasize this enough. People are watching. They're watching how you live. You think, no, they're not. I'm just nothing. I, nobody cares about. They care. They are watching. The world is desperate for hope. They're desperate for something that's real and meaningful. The scripture says that God has put it in, in our hearts that we, we know so that people are without excuse. The, the, the invisible qualities of God are clearly seen through what's been created, meaning that what that scripture means is that you have to believe there's a God because it's just so obvious. You look at creation, you look at what has been made, and you can see God's existence in that. But we can come up with lots of arguments and lots of debates, and, and, the, and the thing that I really want you to know is that the world is, they're looking for something to grab onto. 
And where are they going to find that? They're looking at us. They're looking at the church to say, is this real or is it not? You just stay close to Jesus and keep living faithfully. I tell you, there's somebody in my life right now, there's somebody in my life right now that uh, we have had some conversations, but this person considers themselves an agnostic. They would say, I don't know that, I don't know that there's a God or not. I don't think that we can know if there's a God or not. And I feel tempted every once in a while to think I'm failing them because I haven't said enough. You know, maybe, maybe, I, need to, maybe I need to sit down with them and really try to, to win them over. And some of my friends who are gifted in evangelism would have introduced this person to Jesus already. I'm sure of it. You know, I, I feel bad, but I, I just keep trying to remember that verse. Let this person see my life. And when they look at my life, when they look at my wife and our marriage and our family and, and as how we live and we speak when we can, but we're trusting that one day the Holy Spirit will move in their life. Sometimes the most powerful evangelistic tool is a faithful person who's living for Jesus, who maybe occasionally says, hey, come and see. Come with me. That scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 says we're one body made up of many parts. It says how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Just let that encourage you a little bit. That sometimes that you feel weak, you feel invisible, feel like maybe I don't make that big of a difference in the kingdom. I don't know if I'm, if I'm contributing much. You know, my passions, my gifts, I, I can't stand up on stage and sing. I can't, I can't I'm not very good at teaching. I, I, and, I, and I feel like I, I would struggle going to a, to a total stranger and, and sharing my faith and convincing them that, that God loves them. I just don't know if I can do any of those things, so I don't know if I have much to offer. And yet the scripture says some parts of the body that seem the weakest and they seem the least important are actually the most necessary. We've all got something to offer. You feel like you're in the background, you're not way out in front. You felt like people have pushed that idea on you. They're projecting their own gifts and saying, you need to be more like this or you're not doing it right. Just remember, just remember, if you've ever felt that, remember this. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. But it refers to Jesus as our advocate. So if you feel guilt, you remember where the guilt comes from comes from being accused. Satan is the accuser. Jesus is the advocate. He's, he's with you. He's for you. He's cheering you on. He says, if you're tired and if you're weary, well, then come to me. A few months ago, I was sitting with a lady of our church. Love this. Man, she's, she's awesome. But I was sitting with this lady. She has been following Christ for just a couple of years, so she's still growing and, and all that. And she was asking me about tithing. She said, I'm really tripping up on this, and I want more than anything else to be faithful to God in every part of my life. And she says, but here's, here's the deal. The way my job is, I get paid sporadically and, and in weird amounts. It's not like, a, it's not, I don't get like a weekly paycheck like everybody. That I can just say, well, what's 10% and give on that? It's, 
it's, you know, sometimes I might get paid $20, sometimes it's $200. It's just all over the place. He says, I'm trying to, every time I, I, I get paid, I'm trying to tithe on that immediately because I don't want to forget. And then she started crying. She says, I feel like maybe there might be some that slipped through and I may have missed I may have missed a little bit, and I don't know what to do if I should go back. I'm not sure what to do on all that. She says, I've just, just really worked up about this, and I, I'm feeling really worried because the last thing that I would want to do is dishonor the Lord. I do not want God to be disappointed when he looks at me. I'll tell you what, that broke my heart. And I think it breaks God's heart, too. Because... She's thinking, maybe God's angry with me. Maybe I, maybe I forgot something. You know, it's Pharisees who are always adding on. The legalism. Just hang on to that thought for just a second. And let me, let me pray. Lord, as we live with the tension of following you faithfully but avoiding the traps of legalism help us to be discerning Lord help us to to be wise I know that your your word promises us that you have come to give us freedom it just doesn't take very long for us to feel like we're being caught up again and weighed down Lord my prayer for, for these people right here today is that we would, just, we would just know who we are and we would know who you are and help us God help us to be firm and steadfast and knowing who you are who, who you've called us to be us just to follow you. Amen. Larry Osborne writes in that book, he says, Jesus promised a lighter load and an easier yoke. It was the Pharisees of his day who constantly increased the burdens on the people and endlessly called for more. The accidental Pharisees of our day continue to do the same. Now listen to these words of Jesus. This is, this is one of my all-time favorite verses, Matthew 11. I'm going to read it in the message version. He says, are you tired, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In a world that just continues to go 100 miles an hour, and we, we, feel, we feel guilty when we rest. I struggle with that all the time. I feel like if I'm not producing, if I'm not doing anything, then I'm wasting my time, I'm wasting the day. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about the need for rest, the need for recharge, the need to just to get away and refocus on who we are and who God wants us to be. And the line in that 
verse that just it just grabs me every time is what does it mean to learn the unforced rhythms of grace what is that learn the unforced rhythms of grace what would it look like in our lives to not feel any pressure or guilt or obligation but to just live faithful and obedient lives living for Christ not because we feel badly because this is what I'm supposed to do but because that really is the best way to live like if we surrendered our entire lives to Jesus not because somebody preached a great sermon and made me feel guilty or because I'm so afraid of the alternative but because I live for Jesus because why wouldn't I it's too good it's too good not to learn the unforced rhythms of grace what do we run to when you are beat up and you are bruised and you're worn out and and run dry where do you run my challenge let's all run to the father again and again and again and again today if you maybe you need to just spend some time and say i need to reconnect with my father the altar is open. If you want to come up and pray, you can do that. But let's stand together and sing, and you come as we sing.